0: On RTHK.
1: With music, news and information, this is Radio 3.
2: Money Talk. Good morning, it's 8.03 in Hong Kong. It's the end of the week, Friday the 8th of April. This is Peter Lewis with the latest business news on Money Talk on Radio 3. The Hong Kong government distributed a new batch of electronic consumption vouchers worth $5,000 yesterday, with around 6.3 million people eligible. The government has estimated that the whole consumption voucher scheme, with a price tag of 66 billion Hong Kong dollars, could boost Hong Kong's GDP by 1.2%. The government on Thursday said it will relax the employment support scheme to also include big companies and businesses. Officials last month proposed a new round of subsidy scheme to help small and medium-sized firms keep their workers who earn less than $30,000 a month. Yesterday, the scheme was expanded to allow more companies to apply for the money, with the number of employees for each company that can benefit from the subsidy capped at 1000 Health officials in Shanghai reported Thursday a sixth straight day of record new COVID-19 cases as the city of 25 million people remains in lockdown. Shanghai added almost 20,000 new cases, compared with a total of just over 17,000 infections the previous day. The lockdown in Pudong was supposed to have ended last Friday, but so far no date has been announced for the lifting of restrictions. The U.S. Congress on Thursday voted to revoke Russia's most favoured nation trade status, a formal step to severing normal trade relations with Russia. The move pays the way for damaging new tariffs on Moscow over its invasion of Ukraine and allows import controls on key products like platinum, chemicals, iron and steel. The measures also apply to Belarus. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Andrew Ferris at UCAP Hong Kong Asset Management and David Friedland, from Interactive Brokers. In the second part of the show is Simon Wong, president of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades.
0: Money talk on,
3: Radio
2: 3. on Wall Street, US stocks steadied overnight following a steep fall the previous day, but the bond sell-off continued. The S&P 500 index ended the day up 0.4% at 4,500, having closed the previous session 1% lower. The Dow climbed 87 points to 34,584. And the NASDAQ Composite, which fell 2.2% on Wednesday, rose 0.1% to 13,897. The Pan-European Stock 600 index fell 0.2%, extending Wednesday's 1.5% drop. London's FTSE 100 dropped half a percent. Hong Kong stocks ended Thursday with more losses to extend the previous day's sell-off. The Hang Seng Index fell 272 points to 21,809. The Hang Seng Tech Index lost 2.5%. The Shanghai Composite that slipped 1.4% to 3,237. Shares of China's second largest online retailer, JD.com, fell 3.2% in Hong Kong after billionaire founder Richard Liu stepped down as chief executive officer. He will stay on as chairman. And Zhu Lai, who was recently promoted to president after more than a decade at the company, takes the helm immediately and will report to Richard Liu. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil settled half a percent higher at $100.58 a barrel after falling below $100 a barrel intraday for the first time since mid-March. And gold is up slightly at $1,932 an ounce. The US 10-year Treasury bond yield continued its rise, up another seven basis points to a new three-year high of 2.67%. And the 30-year yield also reached a three-year high of 2.69%. Not much movement in the currency markets. The euro's at $1, eight and three quarter cents. The buck's trading at 124 Japanese yen. Sterling is worth dollar thirty and, three cents and 10 Hong Kong dollars and 24 cents. And the Chinese yuan is at 6.36 and a half in offshore markets. Bitcoin right now trading at $43,400. Looking around Asian stock markets, the ASX 200 in Australia up half a percent, shares in Japan have opened with a rise of 1% for the Nikkei 225, in South Korea, the Cosby is up about uh, 0.4%. It looks like the Hang Seng is going to open slightly lower losing about 40 or 50 points at the open this morning. <laughs> The time's eight oh eight. Let's welcome our Friday morning guests on the phone from some distant land. We have with us this morning Andrew Ferris, as always on a Friday, Chief Strategist at UCAP Hong Kong Asset Management. Morning, Andrew.
1: As everything, as I stand, would have said, everything is relative. Yeah, it is distance, but you're not you are there. Well, hello to all of you from the there you go.
2: <laughs> and thank you for staying up so late for us. Also on the phone here in Hong Kong, we have David Friedland, Managing Director for Asia Pacific at Interactive Brokers. Morning, David. Morning. Let me uh, start off by asking you both, first of all, about the consumption voucher scheme. New, new batch distributed yesterday. $5,000 worth, 6.3 million people eligible. The government says it's going to boost Hong Kong's GDP by 1.2%, but it's going to cost us 66 billion Hong Kong dollars. Andrew, is this a good use of taxpayers' money in our reserves? And do you think it's going to achieve uh, the impact that the government claims?
1: Excellent. Actually, I'm I'm a great believer in in putting money on the table. You remember the film? Show me the money. Yeah. Well, this is exactly what it should happen, and it goes directly into people's markets and directly into consumption. It has zero lag effect. It's no good. me I'm going to pass income tax rates by X percent because I won't see the impact of that for another year and a half, and it will be something that I pay out less rather than receive. So, yes, I do like the system, I do like the concept, and uh, potentially the effects, I might uh, nitpick the exact impact of of that. The good thing of this is it cannot be saved. In other words, uh, if you don't spend it, you lose it. Okay, mm. so uh, sometimes uh, some of the income, for example, some of the uh, direct uh, uh, proceeds support in the case of United States went straight into savings. In other words, people received the cheque, put it into their bank account, and never spend it. Uh, here, in fact, you 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 can you cannot do that, and that I really agree with. Thanks.
2: Okay, so a thumbs up from you for Paul Chan's consumption voucher scheme, David. What do you think?
4: Well, I have mixed feelings on this. Um, I, the the ultimate reason for it was incentive for people to get vaccinated. Or well, they could have used it as an incentive to, to target those who are least likely to get vaccinated, which is the elderly. So I would have liked to see it top heavy to those, um, you know, an extra incentive for, for those who could get out there and get a shot. Um, the other issue I have is right now restaurants are closed and, and um, gyms and spas. And those are the people who really could use the benefit of, of the voucher. And the vouchers were issued with those venues largely closed. So, you know, there'll be some after April 21st, people hold on to it and go out to restaurants. Fantastic, because that's really where this money should go. Um, same thing for the gyms and elsewhere. So I would have liked to seen it a little more top-heavy to, towards the elderly, uh, maybe restrict those who actually don't need it as much, uh, and put it in the hands of people who are actually going to go out and spend the money. Hmm.
2: Um, I, I did ask Paul Chan, and it was something he said the government thought about was tying this in to actually getting vaccinated. So it sounds like you you think it, that would have been a better way of maybe achieving, uh, well, certainly the vaccination uh, requirement, the, the vaccination target that the government wants. Yeah, I would
4: have liked to have seen that, and I would have. Like to see more more uh, people who are actually more needy receive the funds. You know, mm. five thousand dollars for someone who is a multimillionaire, doesn't five thousand Hong Kong dollars doesn't make that much of a difference. But putting it to someone who's earning ten thousand or twenty thousand Hong Kong dollars a month, it, it's quite valuable. Mm.
2: And Andrew, do you think it could have been better targeted? It's like like a broad policy, isn't it? Everyone gets it, regardless of whether we really need it or not.
1: It would have been absolutely impossible to calibrate it. To say everybody that has, uh, let's say, less than, I'm simply taking the 30 which is part of the SME scheme for, for companies to say if you, if you get more than 30,000 you don't get the vouchers it would be impossibly difficult to calibrate that so I much prefer the scattergun effect you know you blast away and you hope that uh, most of the shots find their targets. Same thing actually about making it conditional to getting vaccinated well this government has been, I must admit <laughs> of a lot of the things that I would criticise it has been very delicate of not saying putting a gun on your head and Say you get vaccinated, or else. Again, okay, no, other that, well, it's your choice if you get vaccinated or not.
2: Mm. The um, the retail sector has been described as entering a mini ice age in February. Do you think this is going to provide some relief for the, the battered sector? Asking myself, uh,
4: I, I definitely do. Um, it, I, it's
1: restaurants depressing going and uh, the, the distributors of oh. food still constrained the answer is, is that particular part won't but uh, everything else yes uh, keeping in mind that uh, you cannot use your voucher to go and buy a new car for example I mean mm. there, there are limitations on the areas on which the vouchers are are, uh, are distributable so the answer is
2: okay you're breaking up a bit there Andrew David what, what do you think about the, the the retail sector do you think this is going to help
4: yeah, I think they'll be the primary beneficiaries. It's it's been a bit depressing going into the malls and and and, and the shops, which have been largely been empty. But of course, people are staying home because they, they feared uh, fear of the, uh, the virus. But getting people out to spend a little bit is, is definitely going to help the sector and hopefully keep some more shops open.
2: Okay, now the other thing the government said it was going to do yesterday was relax the employment support scheme criteria to include big companies and businesses. Initially, it was targeted at SMEs and their workers who earn less than $30,000 a month. The scheme's now been expanded, so the number of employees for each company that can benefit from the subsidy are now capped at 1,000. Andrew, what do you make of that? Andrew?
1: puts directly money on the table, and this can be much more... Calibrated as opposed to the 7.3 million inhabitants in Hong Kong, you can actually pick and choose uh, through the corporate tax returns the companies that you will want to target. And therefore, yes, I like that. Again, that puts money on the table or that, uh, let's say, don't have high salaries. Okay.
2: Okay, David, does it get your support? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it, it makes sense.
4: Um, for the larger companies that are there, they don't need the money. Getting into the smaller companies helps a great deal, it puts money that will hopefully get spent quickly.
2: Okay. Um, another, another thing to, related to Hong Kong, David, maybe you can comment on this first. Willie Walsh, Director General of the International Air Transport Association, said Wednesday that Hong Kong ceased to function as an international aviation hub because of flight bans and quarantine requirements for incoming passengers. He said it's effectively off the map now. And I think it's going to be difficult for Hong Kong to recover. It's going to lag significantly behind the recovery that we're seeing elsewhere and has led to a tough time for all airlines operating there. David, what do you think? Do you agree?
4: Well, at first blush, yes. I mean, the airports are dead. And if you're an airline, how do you schedule Hong Kong right now um, when you don't have any certainty if your flight's going to be cancelled over the next seven days if three people um, have covid but, you know, longer term, hopefully things open up and it'll return to normal because it's a great location, great sector, fantastic airport. Um, so in this one, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote with my heart and hope that it's going to return once things open up. But we need to move fast because it's it's, um, it's really hurting Hong Kong, the lack of people coming in.
2: Okay. Andrew, a bit of data here yesterday just 15 flights arrived at hong kong international airport and only six of them were from outside of greater china virgin atlantic says it's not going to fly any flights to hong kong until 2nd of september at the earliest so despite the relaxation of these um, travel ban triggers or these flight ban triggers still seems we don't have many flights here are we getting cut off what do you think
1: Well, well the the yeah, the issue of that is, is is twofold. Again, let's let's remember when they lifted the flight bans on the nine airlines, these were only for Hong Kong ID card holders that got stuck away. So your average American, your average Brit, your average French cannot still fly into Hong Kong. Mm. Okay, because there are there are, well, the flights are only for the small privileged amount. Point number one. Point number two of course is is if I'm right, uh poor old Cathay Pacific was slapped with another ban because some of its uh, uh, passengers arrived again uh, with uh, uh, infected. And this kind of of penalty on the airlines is, is completely counterproductive and frankly a little bit silly. Now, The hub as an air hub has two functions. One is for direct flights, and the other is is redistributing those that are coming to everywhere else. And, of course, Hong Kong loses on both. In other words, loses the direct flights, somebody coming from London to Hong Kong, and that's it. And somebody coming from London to Hong Kong, and then from Hong Kong, let's say, flying on to Thailand, or flying on to China, or flying on to somewhere else. So there is a twofold loss of trade. And I have no idea whether that will wipe us off the map, but definitely it isn't, it isn't a good thing,
2: okay? Okay, let's uh, turn our attention to the markets. Uh, David, the main feature uh, at the moment of the markets seems to be this bond sell-off. U.S. stocks did steady overnight, but bond yields uh, continue to rise. The 10-year and the 30-year U.S. Treasury uh, reached a three-year high now. Uh, bond yields also rising across Asia and in Europe, How long do you think stocks can sort of become disconnected to what's going on in the in the bond
4: markets? (laughs) I wish I knew. Um, Yeah, I I think eventually uh, things will. Yeah, look, the market's weak now; it's not great, but I think things will taper off over the next two to three weeks, and you'll see some growth. Um, I was reading um, this morning; there's a pattern similar to the Iraq War. What's going on now? Where the pattern of the stock market's been remarkably similar. So if we follow course, we could see five percent, five to ten percent move in about fourteen more days. Um, but that's pure speculation. I have no idea.
2: Mm. Uh, Andrew, why, why is the Fed being so aggressive? Do you think it's it's talking about now potentially uh, fifty basis point rate hikes, uh, a one trillion dollar a month reduction in its balance sheet? Why is it turning so hawkish?
1: Well. Uh, well, uh, P- Peter, there are two two parts. I mean, God, God, I sound like an economist. Again, well, there are two parts to that. One is, is of course, trying to try to, try to catch up with uh, nearly one year uh, lagging behind the inflation curve. Come on, this is old news. And the second point is, is some rough calculation of uh, where it needs uh, the interest rates to be in order to slow down the inflation. And that, I'm afraid, I completely and bluntly disagree with their own calculations, because at the rate of inflation as it is right now, uh, between 6 and 7%, even if they push interest rates up to 35 real interest rates are still a minus of 3.5%. So it would be a good idea for the Fed to give us a kind of the biting jaws of the vice. In other words, as interest rates go up, if interest rates uh, from negative become less negative, and where is the point that the real interest rates will be plus? Mm -hmm. As real interest rates. And if I spectacular drop of inflation, which you're not going to get. Mm -hmm. So uh, it looks to me that uh, they they might really be taking out an enormous hammer to crack a nut. Uh, there, There is where I disagree with that, because I don't see how that calculation works out.
2: Do you you think, though, that that maybe they know they're late, don't they? They know they've reacted too late now. They originally thought inflation wasn't a problem. It was just transitory. Do you think they're now, though, overreacting, trying to overcompensate?
1: Well, I I completely agree. And as I said, my naive little me and my envelope, I still look at it and I'll say, I have no idea what this macho standing puts us in terms of Interest rates becoming a real plus and therefore having an actual impact on the economy. Despite the fact that I hold back on the fact that higher interest rates is going to make any difference whatsoever on higher oil prices, on higher uh, wheat prices, all of which
2: are international. Mm.
1: And so, have absolutely nothing to do with the domestic situation in the States.
2: David, I mean, one of the features of the markets really ever since the global financial crisis has been uh, the central banks, particularly the Fed, pumping in stimulus. The Bank of Japan has been doing it too, expanding their balance sheets uh, to, uh, to massive levels. We're now seeing that go in reverse. The stimulus coming out, uh, balance sheets being sh- uh, shrunk again. Uh, we've seen the markets, stock markets go up almost in a straight line. During that period, um, what, what is the risk that that all goes into reverse?
4: Well, I, I don't know how far we'll go in reverse, but I think it's healthy. I mean, it, it, at some point, there's it, been too—it's been too easy of, of of late. And and if you go through all the cycles, we've been through so many crises every couple of years. You know, unfortunately, mm. in, in this century this decade, we've already had we had a fair share in the last two years, but. I think it's just a normal course of action. So be, there's too much money out there. People have nowhere to put it. You might as well go in the market. You might mu- invest mm-hmm. um, in anything. And I think tightening up a little bit will focus some direction into to hopefully some better companies, stronger companies, um, and make – yeah. It, it's part of life. Okay. Um, what's interesting, though, is, is you have China, though. It's, it's the opposite. You have the property market um, getting weak. And, they, they, and they're isolating themselves. And that's going to be a bit of a challenge going back and forth between the two, two world's largest economies.
2: Okay. Well, thank you both for your comments. Have a great weekend. That's David Friedland, Managing Director for Asia Pacific at Interactive Brokers, and Andrew Ferris, who's Chief Strategist at UCAP Hong Kong Assets Management. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. On the phone now is Simon Wong, President of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades. Morning, Simon. Good
3: morning, Peter.
2: Um, Let me ask you first of all about the consumption voucher scheme. Uh, It was launched, the next batch, distributed yesterday, $5,000, 6.3 million people eligible. Is this a lifeline for your industry?
3: For us, um, uh, the benefit is not that, Um, uh, much uh, in this moment because we are still under the uh, social distancing measure. Uh, We can only put two uh, persons per table and uh, we cannot do uh, dine-in service after 6 p.m. But having said that, uh, we are looking forward uh, to um, the opening up of the Uh, social distancing measure on uh, April 21st. Um, By that time, we can put four persons per table and can do uh, dining service uh, until 10 p.m. Uh, And we expect that um, well, first of all, during uh, this time that is from yesterday until the 20th, um, uh, we can only get about 10% of the whole Uh, piece of the cake. But uh, afterwards, um, while we, our business, um, I foresee that it's going to come back and um, well, because this uh, consumption voucher has two stages. Um, uh, uh, You know, by the time uh, we receive the second um, 5,000 voucher, we should be able to get uh, much more business. And um, I estimate that uh, for the whole uh, period from um, yesterday until uh, the whole period for the consumption voucher, uh, we shall get about uh, 15 billion Hong Kong Mm. uh, dollars for business. That is about uh, 25% of the whole uh, amount.
2: Do you think it would have been better then to have waited until the restrictions had been lifted at least another couple of weeks um, before launching the scheme so that then more um, outlets, more retail outlets, restaurants could have benefited? benefited?
3: Well, I would rather uh, request the government to uh, relax the social distancing measure earlier on mm. um, that would help much because um, you know consumption, consumption voucher is meant to um, you know stimulate the business and uh, uh, stimulate people to spend. Um, of course, um, you know if the timing of the consumption voucher matches with the uh, social distancing measures, it would be great.
2: Mm. Can you give us a sense because the the retail sectors described has been described as entering a mini ice age in February? Uh, is it similar for the restaurant sector as well? As well, what has been the impact overall of all these restrictions on the restaurant trade?
3: Oh yes, um, starting from uh, January seventh uh, this week this year uh, until um, you know end of uh, March uh the whole business has dropped by has lost uh by about uh 17 billion um in business and um this uh, accounts for about um you know uh at least 40% of the business have been dropping and um we but, uh, you know because the launching of uh, different type of uh government subsidies um, we was some of the uh, restaurants uh, are able to to stay uh, in the market, but um, you know, the, for the past three months, I saw that uh, there were about three uh, three thousand five hundred restaurants uh, temporarily uh, closed, and about five hundred um, restaurants uh, permanently closed down. Mm-hmm. So this um, this this is what we are facing. Uh, at the moment.
2: So, do you think the extension of the employment support scheme that was announced by the government yesterday to some larger businesses will that help? Will that help save uh, some of your businesses?
3: Of course, uh, this is a good, um, you know, scheme to help the industry, um, you know, on cash flow as well as to help uh, the industries to uh, pay the salaries to the staff. And, um, you know, the, as we see that um, uh, the chief executive has made some amendments uh, from the, the the first announcement of the ESS uh, and um, uh, that would include more uh, people uh, get benefited mm-hmm. and um, probably about uh, 1.7 uh, million workers uh, uh, can uh, get uh, the subsidies uh, instead of the 1.4 million
2: okay what, what is your view on john lee he's announced he's going to be uh, a candidate to be the next chief executive obviously he doesn't have a business background though do you think it will be he will be good for the retail sector for for the restaurant sector
3: well i kind of know john, john for some time and uh, during this pandemic period, I have, uh, uh, did, I have uh, given him some um, advice and um, uh, he listened and uh, I think uh, he uh, is the right person to be the uh, next uh, CEO of Hong Kong uh, because he is a person uh, who has his own uh, principle but uh, at the same time, uh, he can you know, uh, work out with uh, different parties. And uh, he listened, and um, I think he uh, executed very well.
2: Mm. Given the serious issues facing the economy and businesses in Hong Kong right now, do you think that we also will be helpful to have a candidate with a strong business and finance background, such as Paul Chan, maybe?
3: Well, Paul is also a good uh, person, um, a good candidate. Um, uh, but the thing that if... Uh, there's only one uh, person, um, you know, the, you know, seeking for the election. Then, um, if John uh, is the one uh, who who is the only one who, uh, you know, uh, uh, seek for the election, then uh, although he uh, is uh, he doesn't have the financial background, uh, but um, you know, Hong Kong government is not run by one person, mm-hmm. and uh, if uh, well. He, uh, there are uh, a lot of uh, capable persons that can help the government and uh, the next CE uh, on uh, different perspectives, including financial and uh, business factors.
2: OK, Mr Wong, thank you very much for joining us this morning. That's Simon Wong, President of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3 final look at the markets for this week. The ASX 200 in Australia is up 0.4%. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 also up 0.4% and exactly the same for the Cosby in South Korea uh, as well. Looks like a flat open for the Hang Seng in just under an hour's time this morning. Thank you very much for listening this week. Do have a great weekend. Stay tuned. COVID update is coming up after the news with Janice Wong. The weather forecast: fine, hot, and very dry during the day. The maximum temperature is going to be around 28 degrees. And then the outlook: remaining fine and dry in the next couple of days. Hot during the day, and showers midweek next week. There is a red fire danger warning in force this morning. Right now, the temperature is 22 degrees, 53% relative humidity. It's 8.32. Here's Andrew
0: Sharofsky with the half-hour news. Thank you, Peter. The United Nations General Assembly has voted to suspend Russia from the Human Rights Council following reports of gross and systematic violations of human rights by Russian troops in Ukraine. 24 countries voted against. After abstaining on the previous two General Assembly votes, China this time opposed the resolution. Its UN ambassador Zhang Jun called the suspension a hasty move. This resolution
4: was not drafted in an open and transparent manner, nor did it follow the tradition of holding consultations with the entire membership to heed the broadest opinions. Such a hasty move at the General Assembly, which forces countries to choose sides, will aggravate the division among member states and intensify the confrontation between the parties concerned. It is like adding fuel to the fire, which is not conducive to the reduction of conflict and even less to advance peace talks.
0: The chairman of the Hong Kong Small and Medium Enterprises Association, Danny Lau, has welcomed changes to the government's latest round of pandemic wage support, saying more workers will benefit. Under the changes, eligible workers can get $8,000 a month for three months. Mr. Lau said removing a wage cap meant more people would be eligible, but he was disappointed that the monthly subsidy would be $1,000 less than previously announced. He was also disappointed that businesses that hadn't suffered during the fifth wave, such as supermarkets and pharmacies, could also now apply. Mr. Lau said that the government should give more support to businesses forced to shut during the anti-epidemic restrictions.
3: We also expected the monthly subsidies could be go up to $12,000 for those industries. They are asked to stop their business up to now. If those companies will reopen their business. 1st of April, they are already stopped for something like three and a half months. So those industries should have higher subsidies.
0: National Security Police say they've charged two people, a 59-year-old man and a 67-year-old woman, each with a count of uttering seditious words, a day after they were arrested. The male suspect also faces an additional count of doing acts with seditious intention, the pair will appear at the West Kowloon Magistrates' Court later this morning. They were among six taken away by police on Wednesday. Four other arrestees have been released on bail. Police did not name the six people who were arrested, but according to media reports, one of them is Leo Tang, former vice president of the now disbanded Confederation of Trade Unions. And in golf at the end of the first men's Major of the Year, the Masters, Tiger Woods, is back just 14 months after suffering